Morning, church. I love those songs where we kind of separate the parts. It's great to hear the women. I love the bass, the tenor. I I like those songs where, I mean, I love it when we blend and there's the harmony, but you sing so beautifully when we have those separate parts. Hope you paid attention to those words today because that has a lot to do with our lesson. This past week, I went grocery shopping one night. I guess we needed some milk or something. I went right over here to this Brookshire's. It was late at night. I wasn't really paying attention. So I'm standing in line. There's a few people in front of me, and there's a little girl that was checking out, and then there's this large, strapping young man that was sacking the groceries. And he looked right past me. I hadn't noticed who was behind me, but he looked right past me to the guy behind me, and he says, Hey, you a basketball player? So I turned around and looked at this six foot eight, six foot ten oil well that was behind me. And so I'm listening to this conversation. And so I thought, well, you know, it's late and I'm going to have some fun with this. So after they're talking basketball, I said, hey, why didn't you ask me if I was a basketball player? Is it because I'm too short? Is it because I'm old? Is it because I'm fat? Why didn't you ask me? Well, he starts um, struggling for his sentences, and I said, so, I suppose you're a football player? I'd put this guy at about 250, and he said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm the nose tackle for the Gilmer Buckeyes. I said, you probably like to hit people, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I sacked my own groceries and got out of there as fast as I could. (laughs) I thought it was interesting that he associated tall people with being basketball players. We do that all the time. Sometimes we call that profiling. So he associated being tall with being a basketball player. Now, that's not unusual. We make associations like that all the time. As a matter of fact, in our text, what we've been looking at is... John says in 1 John, there are some identifying marks, some characteristics of being children of God. We should be able to associate certain characteristics with children of God. As a matter of fact, he says, you know what, if you're obedient, you're a child of God. And if you don't love the things of this world, you're a child of God. And if you love your brother, you're a child of God. It's interesting that none of it has to do with talk. It all has to do with behavior and characteristics, identifying marks. So let's pick up today in 1 John 3. We're going to start in verse 10. We read that last week, but it plays into what we're looking at this week. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are, identifying marks. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. Nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. 
And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. I think sometimes we have taught a wrong gospel. I think sometimes we have emphasized too much right doctrine. Now hear me out. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. Don't say Richie doesn't believe in right doctrine. Right along with right doctrine is right behavior. And yet we've so emphasized right doctrine, it's almost as if right behavior doesn't matter. In fact, that's what many of the Gnostics were teaching in that day. It doesn't matter how you behave as long as you believe right. In fact, Jesus even talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount when He talked about if you have hate in your heart, you've already murdered your brother. We'll come back to that. Is right doctrine Good, absolutely. Is right behavior good? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, look at verse 23. This is His command, not two, just one. This is one command. This is His command to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. One command, to believe in Jesus Christ and to behave, to love your brother. You can't separate those. Wrong doctrine will keep you out of heaven. Wrong behavior will keep you out of heaven. Right behavior, right doctrine with wrong behavior is still wrong doctrine. And yet we have so emphasized right doctrine to the exclusion of it doesn't really matter how you behave. The great theologian Tina Turner in her most successful single of all times in 1984, what's love got to do with it? John says, everything. Love has to do with everything. In fact, it's not so much what you know, just as important as what you show. What you know is crucial and important, but how you show that might even be more important. So John gives us three illustrations. He says, let me tell you what love is. And the first one is Cain. He says, don't be like Cain. Don't hate your brother to the point that you would murder your brother. And again, you might be thinking, well, Richie, I've, I've never murdered anyone. To which Jesus would say, if we harbor hatred in our hearts, we've already killed our brother. The outward act didn't happen, but the only difference between... Hatred and murder is the outward act. The inward intent is still the same. The only reason some people don't murder is the fear of getting caught, the fear of the consequences, the fear of going to prison. So the question is not, well, I've never murdered anybody. The issue is, what have you thought in your heart? What do you want people done? What do you want to do to people if you weren't going to get caught? Because Jesus says, What you feel in your heart, that's already murder. 
in some cases. Don't be like Cain. You know, one of the first questions in the Bible, maybe question three, question four, God comes along and says to Cain, Cain, where's your brother? To which Cain responds with the question, am I my brother's keeper? In other words, is it my responsibility to keep up with my brother? Is it my responsibility to be responsible and, 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 all the, and to love my brother? Cain said no, because he listened to his father, the devil, who's the father of lies and a murderer. You see, instead of listening to God's voice, he listened to the voice of his father, the devil. And he lied and he killed his brother. So, John says, we know we've passed from death to life if we love. Cain didn't love. Cain illustrates fleshly love. People who are not Christians are not capable of loving the way God calls us to love. They're capable of loving, but fleshly love is selfish love. Fleshly love is, I will love you if I get something in return. I will love you if you love me back. I will love you if there's some benefit for me. And if I don't get any of those, I'm not going to love you. Cain didn't get anything in return, and he was selfish, so he lied, and he killed his brother. So the first illustration is Cain. The second illustration, he goes very deep and he goes to Jesus and he says, this is how we know what love is. There is a point in history that we can look to and say, now that's love. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Now, we would expect the next sentence to be, and we should lay down our lives for Jesus. But that's not what he says. But maybe that is what he says. Because he says we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. You know, more than likely, the chance that you will have to die or need to die or want to die for someone will probably never happen. But the opportunity will arise this week for you to love somebody. Let me illustrate this way. From the days before... Ready access to vaccines comes a story. The doctor looked down at the little girl in the hospital bed. He knew that her only hope was to receive blood from someone who had recovered from the same disease. Quickly, the doctor found the anxious family and knelt beside a small boy. Johnny, he said, your sister needs your kind of blood to make you well. Will you give her your blood? Johnny's eyes welled up with fear, and the doctor noticed that, and he looked down, and about that time, little Johnny says, Sure, doctor, I'll do it. They both prepped for surgery. After, they, after the needed amount of blood was taken from Johnny's small arm, he remained quiet for a few minutes, and then he said to the doctor, Well, doctor, when do I die? Because he thought in giving his blood for his sister that he would have to die. John says, it's not going to kill you to love somebody. Right doctrine and right behavior go hand in hand. You can say you love somebody, but are you willing to die for somebody? 
We can say all day long, well, I love everybody. And John says, how about you love somebody to the point that you're willing to die for them? Don't just say you love children. Go teach one of our children's classes. Don't just say that you want everybody to come to Christ. Go on a mission trip or go out and study with someone. Don't just say that you love our caring and sharing ministry. Go down and help with caring and sharing. Go down and work at caring and sharing. Give to dollar days. Contribute in some way. Don't just say. You see, it's not just talk. It's not just mouth. It's not just tongue. Which is why he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Don't just say, I love everybody. Are you willing to die for somebody? Third illustration, he talks about people in need. If you see somebody who's in need and you don't help them out, how can you say the love of God is in you? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is, the love of God is not in you. How can we see someone who has a need and walk right by? How can we see someone who needs some of our possessions, the same terminology he uses in chapter 2, don't love the world or the things of the world and the material possessions and the pride of life and all the stuff that we accumulate. In fact, Jesus said, use your worldly wealth to gain friends, Luke 16 and verse 9, and you will gain treasure in heaven. Use your stuff to help people out. That's what the first Christians did in the first century. That's what they were known by. In AD 125, a Christian philosopher by the name of Aristides wrote this. They walk in all humility and kindness, and falsehood is not found among them, and they love one another. They despise not the widow and grieve not the orphan. He that has distributes liberally to him that has not. If they see a stranger, they bring him under their roof and rejoice over him as if he were their own brother. For they call themselves brethren, not after the flesh, but after the spirit and in God. When one of their poor passes away from the world and any of them see him, then he provides for his burial according to his ability. And if they hear that any of their numbers imprisoned or oppressed for the name of their Messiah, all of them provide for his needs as if it is possible that he may be delivered, they deliver him. And if there is among them a man that is poor and needy, and they have not an abundance of necessities, they fast two or three days that they may supply the needy with the necessary food. Right doctrine and right behavior go hand in hand. You can't just say you love everybody. You've got to show that you love everybody, not just with your mouth, with actions. So here's what came to my mind. If I preach a lesson specifically on salvation, and I say, which you will always hear me say, salvation is what God does and what God did at the cross. And yet people will take me to task and say, well, yeah, Richie, but we need to do something. So let me use your theology and say, I absolutely agree. And so does John. Don't just say you love people. You need to do something. 
It's amazing to me that some of the meanest people that I know are Christians. It's amazing to me that Christians can abuse one another in the name of the Lord, as if that makes it right. Right doctrine without right behavior. John says one of the identifying marks of Christians is that we love one another. It's amazing to me through the years to see Christians that I know who are at odds with one another and bitter with one another and angry with one another. And for all they care, if one of them was to move far away and yet they can come to worship and both partake of the Lord's Supper as if right doctrine is more important than right behavior. Listen, folks, we will influence way more people with our love than we will with our talk. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have right doctrine. No, Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me read to you from Martin Lloyd-Jones, his commentary on 1 John. He says, this changed the world in the first century. We know as a literal fact of history that there was nothing that so impressed the ancient world as the way in which Christians loved one another. The Jews and Gentiles were one in Christ. They showed it in practice in the way in which they were ready to sacrifice for one another, in the way they shared their goods with one another, and in the way they prayed for one another. These were things that amazed the ancient world, and they were perhaps more productive in turning people to Christ than anything else. Folks, this is huge. We have so emphasized right doctrine, maybe what the world wants to see from us is right behavior. They've heard our talk, maybe they want to see our walk. Right doctrine is important, and just as important is right behavior. So John says, let me tell you one of the identifying marks of a Christian. It's not up for discussion. We're called to love one another. We're commanded to love one another. This is how we know what love is. Jesus showed us love and He died for us. People will say, Richie, but you don't know what somebody did to me. Was it worse than nailing Jesus to the cross with your sins? Well, Richie, you don't know how they slandered me and they said things about me and they abused me. Was it worse than our sins nailing Jesus to the cross? That's how we know what love is. And in response, we're supposed to love one another the same way. And the world will take notice. They certainly take notice when we don't get along. How come the folks at your church don't get along? How come so-and-so and so-and-so at your church are fighting all the time? How come how they notice those things? John says, it's not just what you know. Just as important as what you show. So you need to ask yourself, am I a loving person? Am I willing to share of my material goods? If I see somebody in need, am I willing to give of my material possessions? Well, Richie, do I have to help everyone in need? 
Well, you don't have to help everyone. You can't help everyone, but you could help someone. So when you pass the person on the street corner that has a sign, what's in your heart is what John's getting at. Do you have love in your heart for people who are in need? Because how can you have the love of God in your heart and be indifferent about people who need? Folks, we have billions of dollars represented in this room. Billions of dollars. John says, it's not just what you know. It's what you show. Right doctrine. Right behavior go hand in hand. You can't stand before the Lord and get a 90 on the get into heaven quiz and flunk the right behavior quiz. They go hand in hand. Right doctrine and right behavior. Well, how do I get that kind of behavior? It's not natural to love. It's very natural to hate, and it's natural to be bitter, and it's natural for me to want to know what I'm getting out of my relationship with you. So where do I get that kind of nature? We talked about that last week. It's going to take a death and a burial and a resurrection. And I will say again, just like last week, we have so missed the point on baptism and the value of baptism, and the resource of baptism. It's not just about salvation, and it's not just about forgiveness. We get a new nature. It's not natural to love. It is supernatural. And the only way we can love the way Jesus loves us, and the only way we can love the way God loves us, is to get a new nature. Because my fleshly nature just wants to know What do I get out of it? So when I'm baptized into Christ and I'm buried with Him in baptism and I'm raised to get a new life, I get a new nature. And that new nature teaches me to love you even if I don't get anything out of it. Even if I get nothing in return. Well, why would I want to love anybody like that? While we were still sinners and offered nothing to God, Christ died for us. Children of God have identifying marks. People ought to associate us with being obedient. People ought to associate us with loving one another. It's an identifying mark. Can people say that about you? Are you a loving person or do you have hatred in your heart? If you can't ask yourself those questions... Ask someone close to you, do you see me as a loving person? Or do you see me with bitterness and anger and rage? Ask someone. Because one of our identifying marks should be love. So we offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today. For you to be baptized for the remission of sins. For you to be baptized so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. For you to be baptized so that you can kill your old self and you can be raised to get a new life and a new nature and start acting like a child of God. Children of God ought to act a certain way. There ought to be 
certain behavior, John says, not just what you know, start showing people you love. So if you need a new nature today, if you need salvation today, if you need forgiveness today, please respond to the invitation as we stand and sing.